You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. So, it was the spring semester of my second year at seminary, and uh, we got, the class started January 10th, and this is the first time that I ever tried taking notes during a class on computer, all right? I'd always taken notes by hand, and this is the first time I had a laptop, and I was like, all right, I'm going to be cutting edge, and I'm going to take my like, computer, and so January 10th, I, I t- go into this class, church history, uh, and Christian tradition, it was called, and this professor, he just covered so much stuff, it was insane the amount of stuff he'd covered, but I was diligently typing as fast as I could, right? January 10th, take good notes. January 11th, take good notes. 12th, 13th, I take good notes. Then that weekend, I got a new computer game, all right? Now you guys can guess where this is going. Fast forward to May, and it's time to study for finals, and I open up my computer, the file that says notes, Christian tradition, and the last entry is January 13th. All right, I had not taken a single note the rest of the semester because I just was playing that computer game. And so I was panicking, and, and I talked to one of my friends and said, hey, you know, did you take notes? And the professor had said we could use anything um, to, to study, and he said, sure, I got my notes. And so um, we, he, give, he sends me his notes, and I print it out, and it's 90 pages of stuff, uh, 90 pages of a semester's worth of stuff that I haven't been paying attention at all, but I've conquered this computer game. And so I'm frantically, you guys have been there, some of you, some of you guys are great students and you're looking down on me right now but some of you know you've been there and you're like oh yeah you're cramming that last night and so I'm I'm trying to figure out everything and so I was worried and I was frantic and I was cramming that night trying to study for Christian tradition but at midnight I was able to put all that aside because at midnight Sarah and I went up the hill to the student center and we opened the door and there were a bunch of other students just like me that were there for midnight pancakes. It was something our school had done and it was a fellowship thing during finals week that at midnight there there was professors there and school administrators that were flipping pancakes and allowing us to just take a break from the chaos of worrying about a test and worrying about trying to cram everything in and just, just relax, just have fellowship. And so we were able to go and commiserate with each other and I was able to be like, hey, did you guys do that same thing? They're like, no, we've been studying all semester. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, oops. And so, and, but we were able to talk with each other and, and be able to just fellowship, to know that we weren't in this alone. And so this morning, uh, I'm excited. We're going to have a pancake breakfast. This is an idea that Amanda Holbrook had suggested a, a while ago. She's like, I'd love to be able to, for all of us to have pancakes and just fellowship. And so this morning, as we've been working through Acts, and we got, we're getting to the second chapter of Acts, the end of that chapter, where they come together in fellowship, where we're, as we were as students that night, realizing that we're not in this alone, that this morning, I hope, that we will realize we're not in this alone. So it's a little weird, you're at a strange seating, different than normal, um, but, and it's going to be a little interactive this morning, okay, so just be prepared for change. There are, should be a, a, a crayon on, on, on your table in front of you. All right, so that word I cannot say. Last hour I went ahead and said it my normal way, which is crown, and I get it wrong, and they all, and Elliot told me, warned me all week that I'd say this wrong, and he's right, I would say it wrong. And so grab a crayon and in front of you and try this, attempt this in front front of your seat, all right, to write your name upside down so people across the table can read it, all right? This is an attempt. It might not look pretty, and that's okay, uh, but write your name upside down so everyone around you knows who you are. So last week, uh, Elliot brought us to Acts chapter 2, 
And when it talked about that Jesus has ascended, and now here is the early believers. And they don't know what to do. They're, they're at a little loss. that They don't know what to do. Jesus is gone. And so they're together. And then, in a moment, the Holy Spirit comes down like fire. And so Elliot talked last week about the significance of fire throughout the Old Testament and uh, about how fire is closely related to God. And, and this fire came down and was upon them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so throughout this, this series of Acts, we hope to have this fire going just to represent the fire that has come down. The fire that is, that is there and the Holy Spirit that is present in this room. The Holy Spirit that's present in each one of us. And so you have these, these believers, or you have this gathering of people, and Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, and Peter is emboldened, and he begins to preach. And we get to the end of, of his message, and it, it gets us to Acts chapter 2, verse 40 and 41, which says, With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So there it is. The birth of the church. 3,000 were added that day. 3,000 new believers that are new to this faith. 3,000 people that don't know what it looks like to be a Christian. Don't know what it means to follow Jesus. They haven't been following him for this three years. These are people, some of them might have been following him, but some of them are people that have been traveling. Remember, they're all there for this festival. They've all converged on Jerusalem because this was the meeting point. This is where you would go to the temple. And so they're here for a festival, so there's people from Jerusalem, but people from outside, from nearby villages and towns, people that have are for, traveled great distances, that have walked for days to come to Jerusalem for this festival, and at this time, they see the Spirit come down, they hear the message of Peter, they're convicted with their hearts, they've been baptized, and now they're the new believers. And so this is the beginning of the early church, and so now what? Now where do we go? Where does the church go? What does the apostles do? How, how do we move forward? And so that's what we're about to see. We're only covering five verses this morning. Acts 2, 42 through 47. But these are five powerful, five significant verses. Five verses that are kind of the foundation of what Discovery Church desires to be, of what I hope every church desires to be. It's to be, the found, it's to be a copy of what God had initiated the early church to be. So if you have your Bibles open, if you have that journaling book that we, that we have at the coffee shop, if we, you just want to watch on the screen, we'll have the verses on there. And we'll begin with Acts 2, verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This verse is the foundation, the four pillars of what our church is, desires to be. This verse is the foundation of what I believe God intended the church to be in general. And so this verse is a significant verse. First, they begin, they devoted themselves. That you have these people that are living here in Jerusalem, these travelers that are camping out on the streets, on the outskirts of the city wall. And what do they do when they're early believers? They're trying to find out about this Christianity, trying to find out about Jesus. And so they've devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Remember, they don't have the New Testament, right? And so the, the, what they do have is the, the message of the eyewitnesses. And so the apostles are teaching every day and throughout the day, and the people are just absorbing it in, and they're hearing about the stories for the first time. Imagine what it'd be like to hear for the first time from the, from the voice of Peter, from the voice of John, telling about, and then Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth. And we all doubted, but then we saw 
coming out of the tomb, this man wrapped up, and it was Lazarus. Imagine what it would have been like to hear these stories from the eyewitnesses for the first time. And they say, we didn't have enough food, but this, the fish and the bread just kept coming. And Jesus miraculously fed the thousands. So they devoted themselves to hearing these verses, to hearing, to hearing these stories, to hearing these teachings of Jesus. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to loving on each other. The, the fellowship term here is caring for one another's needs. It's, it's not just talking to each other and just being like, hey, how are you? But actually caring actually getting to know one another, actually learning about them, loving on them, caring for their needs, being there for one another, laughing together, crying together. They were part of fellowship. They made sure to break bread, which was a reference to communion, remembering the time in the upper room that Jesus broke the bread. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And so every time they came together, they would have communion. Some people ask us, why, why do we do communion every week? Doesn't it lose the significance? And I would encounter that it is so significant, we have to do it every week. Because this is our opportunity to, be, to remember Jesus' body, to remember Jesus' blood poured out for us. And so they would dedicate themselves, they would devote themselves to the breaking of bread and then finally to prayer. A significant aspect of the early church. I hope it's a significant aspect of this church. That we have a prayer room that if you ever have a prayer request or a prayer need, we'd love to be praying for you. We have a prayer team that gets prayers throughout the week that come in to us and, and that we send those out and, and that we're praying together. That if you have been here before and you know we have this time where we hold hands and maybe awkward if you don't like germs and, and it's a time that we make sure to make a point to pray. That it's significant. This verse is why we do all that. And so this morning, like I said, this is going to be a, a little different, a, a little interactive. And so when we talk about fellowship, I want you to take your, take your crayon and, and draw an arrow to the three closest people to you. All right? Draw an arrow to three people. That can be a squiggly arrow, a long arrow, a short arrow. But draw an arrow to three people. Later on this morning, we're going to partake in communion. Later on this morning, we're going to have prayer. Right now, we're looking at the apostles' teaching, but also, we're going to partake in fellowship. And I want to encourage you that in this time of fellowship, be sure to speak and get to know the three people that you have drawn an arrow to. All right? Well, I say three, so that way it's not just like, oh, it's my friend that's here or, or my spouse. But there, there's three people. Maybe you don't even know the name, and so you're having to read it, uh, what they wrote upside down, and, and the handwriting might be a little weird. But it's okay. Get to know those people. So there's those three people. When we have a time of fellowship, at least those people. Get to know them. And so they devoted themselves to these things. The passage continues, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed. By the apostles. So remember, they didn't have the scriptures. They didn't have God's word, the New Testament, to be able to say, this is what Jesus said. This is what the, the Lord says. And so the apostles had uh, gifts and abilities to perform miracles and signs, to be able to uh, add, add weight to what they were teaching, to show that this was divine teaching, that this was divine-inspired words, that they would see God's hand in the miracles and God's hand in, in the workings that they do. And so everyone was in awe of these miracles. Story continues. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
These verses are sometimes misused. I, I, I don't know if it was intentionally wrong, but they're, they're misused sometimes to just encourage people, hey, give more money, give, give, give. But that's not the story here. Remember, there's people that have been traveling from out of town. You have thousands, hundreds of thousands of new of people, of Jews that are in the city, and thousands of them have come to accept Christ. And instead of going back, they're not equipped to go back and continue to follow Jesus because they don't know his stories. They don't know his teachings yet. They're just learning this. And so now they're here, but they've only brought enough provisions for a short time to come for the festival. And so the people that are there in Jerusalem begin to sell their extra land. To sell, and didn't necessarily sell their homes because it says later that they still met in homes. But they sell their land. They sell their inheritance. Remember, land is just a significant thing. It's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. In the Jewish faith, it was part of the promise of Abraham from God. A promise that has now been fulfilled with the Messiah. And so they've let go of the past. And now they're fully dedicating to the, to the here and now. And so this idea isn't for us to sell everything and become part of a compound. But this idea was to see that there were needs. There were ever-present needs at that time. There were people that had no home and they didn't have any food and, and anything to eat. And so the, the believers that were there sold what they had so they could provide for the needs. And so the, the message here isn't for us to sell everything and to give. The message is here is to provide for the needs. Maybe that's to sell something and give, but maybe that's to provide for the need of a friend or a neighbor that just needs someone to talk to. Maybe that's to provide for the need of caring for one another, loving on each other, being here in friendship and fellowship. They provided for the needs of the other believers that were around them. The passage continues, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I love this glad and sincere hearts. You can just imagine the atmosphere, right? I'm sure it was a joyful time. I'm sure there was laughing. I'm sure there was a, a great time. That people were excited. People were meeting together. They were, they were enjoying that this Christian life isn't one of misery, but it can be one of great joy as we, we do this together, as we walk through this life together. And it's significant that Luke points out they met together in the temple courts, right? So they met together in big gatherings, but then they meet in homes. This idea of small groups isn't something new that the church has just created in the past few decades. This idea of small groups was there at the early church. Well, we encourage small groups. It's not just so we can say, hey, you need to be in community and you need to be there for each other. We encourage it because this is what the early church first did. That if you're not in community, this is what they planned for us to be. That they met together as large groups and they gathered and they listened to lessons. But... Then they did life together in small groups. We got small groups. So you can check them out on the website. We got a couple new ones. One that meets on Sunday morning during this hour. If you guys wanted to come first hour, you could stay for second hour. Uh, and they meet in the student room. There's another new one that has just started that meets in the church office on Wednesday night. It's the, the Blue House next door. It's an awesome group. And there's these groups that you could be part of to be just like this early church. To meet together in big groups. And meet in small groups so we could do life together. And then it says, verse 47. Praising God and they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You can see the joy that they were praising God 
and that they found favor in the people. And I love this how this ends because we see that this example that they set, this example of following God's word, this example of prayer, this example of communion, this example of fellowship, wasn't just for them. All the people on the outside were watching, and they found favor in this. The people on the outside were able to see there's something different about this group. There's something unique. There's something unusual. What is it going on? Why are they so friendly? Why are they so happy? Why are they always meeting together? Why are they always learning? What is different? It says that they found favor among the people on the outside, and because of that, the numbers kept increasing. And I think it's important to note, it wasn't because of Peter's teaching, it wasn't because of the signs or miracles that the numbers were growing. It says the Lord added to their number daily. They were doing something that the Lord was blessing. And so as we look at what, uh, what is our church supposed to be, what are we supposed to be, is the Lord blessing what you're doing. It's the Lord blessing how you live. Because we see this in this early church, that the Lord was blessing and their numbers were increasing because they were doing what God had called them to do. And so this morning, uh, we're going to have different at- attributes of that verse 42. Right? We've already been studying God's word, uh, uh, devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We're going to have a time of prayer in just a minute where we're going to hold hands. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to have a time uh, of break, communion later on this morning where we'll be breaking the bread and rem- remembering about Jesus. But right now, we're going to have a time of fellowship. And, in the, and it might seem weird at first, but we're going to have a time to just go and have some pancakes. we got pancake stations around the room. And if you already ate breakfast, great, go grab a pancake. There's always room for pancakes. It's like Jello, right? And so go grab a pancake. They, they've worked hard. They've been here all morning making pancakes. The least we can do is eat, eat the fruits of their labor, right? And so go grab a pancake and come back. And we've got questions that will be up on the screen to kind of help prompt some conversations if you need at your table. But get to know the people that you drew an arrow to. If you have any allergy concerns, we have a table over here, all right, over there with the pretty lamp. They have allergy-free table. They have gluten-free, egg-free, whatever free thing that you need, they have it taken care of over there, all right? If you need sugar-free syrup, um, they have sugar-free syrup over there. Otherwise, the syrup on your table is full sugar, all right? So go to town on that. Um, Feed it to your kids. They'll be be thankful. Um, And so we're going to have a pancake breakfast time, all right? Just a time to get to know each other, a time to realize we're in this together. You're not alone. We're making it through this life, a time that maybe you look at that arrow and ask those three people, hey, what can I be praying for for you this week? Hey, maybe just even just, what's your name? Get to know one another. Spend some time caring for one another's needs. As we see the early church, this is what fellowship was. So if you will pray and grab a hand of the person next to you, I'm going to pray for our pancakes and pray for our our breakfast and our morning. And then go, yeah, if everyone wants to stand. Sorry, I should have said that. That that way you're ready. Like, it'll be a race, all right? There you go. Stand up. It it makes it a little easier to hold hands. Stand up, grab the hand of the person next to you. And I'm going to go ahead and pray and then head to the pancake stations. And we're going to take about 10, 15 minutes here during service, fellowshipping. And then we'll come back together for communion and more worship, all right? If you'll pray with me. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. And we just pray um, that we can follow your example that you set up with the early church. God, let us devote ourselves to your teaching. As we study the book of Acts, as we study your word, let us devote ourselves to that. Let us devote ourselves to communion every week. 
that this time that we have communion will not be just glossed over, but it will be a time that we can focus on what you did. God, as we're in prayer, let this prayer be something we're devoted to, that we are communicating with you up in heaven to us down here on earth. What an amazing reality that is. And God, as we go into this time, let us devote ourselves to fellowship, to caring for one another's needs, to praying for each other, to loving, to laughing, to crying all together. God, we pray for these pancakes. Let them be fluffy and tasty and and good to our bodies. And God, we just lift this all up in your name.